Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Today we're starting a brand new series entitled For the One. And that's why you received this packet right here when you walked in. If you did not get one of those packets, man, the ushers would love to give you one. Did everybody get one? Did anybody not get one? Lift your hand in there if you did not get one. We got some people right up here that did not get some, some back there. Um, we're starting this new series today entitled For the One. And uh, what we're doing this whole entire month is Easter. In case you didn't know this, Easter is actually in March this year. Do you all know that? It's the last Sunday. And here at Canvas Church, man, we love to celebrate Jesus every Sunday. Um, but there's something awesome about Resurrection Sunday. Are you with me? Come on, the day that signifies the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so uh, we wanted to do something special this month and uh, encourage all of us to do our best to get involved with what God's doing in your life as well as right here at Canvas Church. And so you received one of these packets on the way in and for the one. And so what we want you to do, if you actually pull out uh, the little card that's in there, um, there's four specific things that we are asking everybody to do this whole entire month. And everything you need to do this is right there in that packet. Uh, the first thing is simply this, that we want to bless one person every week this month. So that'll be a total of four people. And so inside of your packet, you got these little You Got Blessed cards. Um, and we've created these just as a fun way where you can go out and bless people anonymously. A uh, matter of fact, we got a pretty cool story um, that took place this last uh, week and we got an email. So someone actually emailed us saying they got one of these cards. I wanna read you this real quick. This is the email we got. And in the big subject, it says, thank you. And this is what it says. It says, I woke up not feeling well and dreading my two-hour commute to Orange County. How many guys would, would dread that commute right there, right? So woke up not feeling well. In addition, had a two-hour commute. It says, I stopped at McDonald's. That's probably why they weren't feeling well, but let's say whatever. Uh, they stopped at McDonald's on the way to work, and the person in front paid for my order. And I received this You Got Blessed card. It definitely changed my mood and put a smile on my face throughout the drive up. So thank you to the green SUV in front of me. I am already planning to pass the love on. Come on, isn't that cool? And sometimes it's just those little actions, those little things. And here's the thing. If they follow the trail, obviously they went to the website, the yougotblessed.org website. If they follow that trail, they know that the driving force behind that is Canvas Church. And more importantly, the driving force behind that is the love of Jesus. And so I want to encourage you this whole entire month, take one of those cards, find a creative way to bless somebody each week. Uh, the second thing we're asking everybody to do is pray for one and invite one. Pray for one and invite one. Right on the front there of your packet, it says, my one person. That is a place where you can write down the name of one person that is disconnected from God. Now listen to me. I talked about it in our growth track yesterday. We had 18 people go through our growth track yesterday. It was awesome. People getting involved at Canvas Church at both campuses. Um, and I told them this. Hey, look, it's, it's easy for us to go and try to steal a Christian from another church. Hey, you want to come to my church this weekend? Okay? Um, that is not what God has called us to do, all right? That is not the Great Commission. That is not what Christ has empowered us to do. He wants us to go and reach those that are disconnected from him, all right? And so what I would love for you to do is throughout the course of this service and, and maybe the next 24 hours, think about one person you know that does not know Jesus Christ, that is maybe does know Jesus Christ but is not attending church, not plugged into a church. And inside your packet, you also have this little thing called a touch card. It's the blue one or whatever that color is, okay? And you would take that and you would pray for them all month long and would you invite them to our Easter celebration service? 
All right? It's that simple. Pray for them daily and, uh, and just begin to ask God to work on their heart and then take the opportunity to invite them to church. The third thing we're asking for everybody to do is to serve at our one outreach. And that is taking place on the 19th of this month where we are going to rally as many people as possible together. And if you have a canvas shirt, throw on your canvas shirt and we're going to head down to the San Diego Dream Center on March 19th. It's a Saturday. And we are going to help them serve the downtown area, the homeless. We're going to help feed them, clothe them, and just go out there and be a powerhouse for them. Wouldn't that be awesome? And so to take our eyes off of ourselves and even off of our own church, the Bible says as we give, it'll be given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running all over, all right? And so I want to encourage all of us as Canvas Church to partake in that, so mark your calendars, jump on board with that. And then the last one, number four, I'm going to ask everybody at Canvas Church to not only invite somebody to church on Easter Sunday, but I want to ask you as a community, as a biblical community, to come ready to give uh, uh, just an Easter offering, tithes and offerings. You say, Pastor and what is that? Uh, it's you bringing, and here's why. We believe that God is opening up the door for a building for us, okay? There should be way more of you cheering, all right? Um, now, this is really exciting, all right, because it is not easy to get a facility in the city of San Diego. And so we actually have our eyes set on one. We're actually working with an incredible group, this door that God opened for us. These people have so much wisdom. They've already been working with the city on our behalf for a specific facility. But this is what I need you to do, church. I need you to pray this week because really we get the answer on Monday, all right? So in the next 24 hours, would you just rally with us? Say, Pastor Ben, where's it? I'm not gonna tell you where it's at, all right? Because that way, if it don't work out, we just can pr pursue a different building, all right? But uh, this, this group has been working for us, and I really believe that the door is open. So would you pray over the next 24 hours and just say, God, would you just work on the heart of the city, all right? And then I need you to come, okay? We can't just pray and say, God, give us a building uh, because the owner isn't going to give it to us for free, all right? And so would you come ready on Easter Sunday morning to say, man, I'm going to sow a seed into the future of Canvas Church and into that building. Are you with me? And so those are the four things we're asking everybody to do. In addition to that, in your packet, you had one of these bracelets um, that's clearly made for people much thinner than myself, all right? But it's okay. Um, and so mine's a little tight. I don't know if it's because I've been working out my wrist muscles, you know, shooting hoops, whatever. But um, uh, also in one of the packets, you had a little magnet, and it just says for the one on it. Okay, and, uh, and so what I want you to do is, you know, if you want the wrist bracelet one because you look at your wrist more often, or if you look at your refrigerator more often, come on, somebody. That's probably what I need to stop doing, and this would fit, right, if I stopped looking at the fridge. Um, and just remind yourself, hey, who's the one I'm praying for this month? Are you with me? And so let's do this together. Let's be a community together, and let's see what God does. You saw it on the screen. I believe that if we come together as a community, as one, for the one Jesus Christ, that we can reach the one that is far from him. Amen? And so let's all jump on board. Let's be a part of it, and let's see what God does through the month of March. we got the youth jumping in on it. We're going to have the kids that are old enough to jump in on it. It's going to be an incredible, incredible time. Well, today, though, I want to talk to you um, as we start our series, For the One. I want to talk to you about this concept of who is the one. Who is the one? And we'll just take this thought throughout the month and tackle it and see where the Holy Spirit leads us. So would you do me a favor this morning? Turn in your Bibles to a New Testament book. Um, it's known as one of the Gospels. It's the Gospel of John. 
And the Bible, once again, being made up of two sections. You have the Old Testament, which really explores the history of the, of the chosen people of God, the, the people of Israel. And, and it shows a, a real good narrative of the things that they went through. But when we come into the New Testament now, we're not really talking about natural you know, uh, narratives anymore, although the, the New Testament does explore the narrative of Jesus. But what we're talking about is a spiritual impact that now Jesus says, hey, that was my natural chosen people, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ, what he did through his death, burial, and resurrection, he's now inviting all people, come on, are you with me, to be his son and his daughter, all right? And so we're talking about a spiritual now implication here. And so the first four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, are known as the Gospels. The first three um, are the synoptic Gospels, meaning that they share similar stories from a different viewpoint. John, though, is a little bit different uh, in that it begins really to tackle, I, I think, the, the character and the nature of Christ and begins to show really the heart of God through Jesus as he walked the earth. Uh, the book being written by the Apostle John, not to be confused uh, with John the Baptist, all right? So John the Baptist didn't write the book of John. Uh, this is the Apostle John. And uh, John here gives an eyewitness account of the works of Jesus, really demonstrating his character and his nature. Uh, John actually wrote a total of five books, uh, one of them being the Gospel of John, and then three other books being first, second, and third John, and then the last one being this incredible book called the Book of Revelation. As we begin to explore this idea of, of for the one and who is the one, we're going to be pretty much camping in the book of John and taking different snippets of it. And so really the essence of John is really found in John chapter 20, verse 31. And I want to read it to you because this captures why John wrote this gospel. And it says this in John 20, verse 31. It says, but these are written. What's written? The words of John, what he just declared. These are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah. He's the promised one. The Son of God. And by believing, you may have life in his name. Amen. Let me read that again because this is why we're exploring the one. These things are written so that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the, the Savior of the world. He's the Son of God. And by believing, this is so essential, by believing, you may have life in his name. Amen. So now together, let's read John chapter 1. Starting in verse 1, going to read a little lengthy portion here. And this is the words of John. John 1, starting in verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word. Now notice in my Bible, and I'm pretty sure it is in yours too, it's a capital W. Okay? And you know that when something is capitalized, it usually donates, you know, denotes a name, right? So we're not just talking about the Word that we read. We're talking about the person of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. Listen to the, the, the proclamation of John. Listen, the, the word, Jesus, he was in the beginning with God. And, and not only was he in the beginning with God, he actually is God. Are you with me? He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Now, this is so essential to understand because a lot of people try to separate out that, well, there's God, but then there's the Son, Jesus, who really isn't God. He's just the Son of God and therefore doesn't have the same attributes as God, okay? 
What we believe here at Canvas Church is there is one God made up in three distinct persons, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see that here even in the Bible, that, that, that Jesus was actually a part of creation. That's why in Genesis 1, verses 26, 27, and 28, it says this. It doesn't say, let me make man in my own image. It declares this, let us make man in our own image. Well, who was the us? The us was the God the Father, the Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. He was always is, always has been, and always will be. Verse 4, life was in him, and that life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man named John who was sent from God. He came as a witness. Now, this is John the Baptist that's speaking of. To testify about the light, so all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Listen to this verse. I love this verse. The true light who gives light to everyone. Amen. Not just some people, but come on, to everyone. Not just to your pastor, right, but to everyone. Listen, not just to those that have already called upon the name of the Lord, but to everyone. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come into a relationship with him. How does that happen? As he shines the light, amen, for everyone. Was coming into the world, verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, yet the world did not recognize him. Think about that for a minute. Just highlight in your mind. He's there. He's shining the light. Everything that you see, including us, was created through him, yet we did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Verse 14, the word became flesh and took up residence among us. That's Jesus. Okay, the word, Jesus, was in the beginning with God, took up flesh, became in the form of man, and began to walk amongst us. We observe his glory, the glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him and exclaimed, this was the one. Everybody say one. one. Yeah. This was the one whom I said, the one coming after me. He surpasses me because he existed before me. Indeed, we have all received grace after grace from his fullness. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Amen. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son, the one who is at the Father's side. He has revealed him. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word today. God, we thank you that your word is awesome. Lord, I pray that in the next few moments that we have together, that, Lord, you would speak to every single one of us in this place and that we would walk out of here today having a greater understanding of who the one is, that we would walk out of here today not just realizing that you're a great friend, not just realizing that you're my buddy, but we would walk out of here realizing today that you are God incarnate in the flesh and that you walk this earth and you took on all of the sins of us that are sitting here today and you went to that cross and you died for those sins and yet you rose again so that today we could breathe these breaths and have eternal life. Hallelujah. God, I pray we'd never forget that. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 
Amen, amen. Uh, when I was growing up, uh, we, I have three older brothers, and so we did a lot of road trips. We didn't do a lot of flying in a plane. As a matter of fact, um, other than when I was a little baby, I don't think I ever flew until I was much older, like a teenager. Um, and so we had like the, the, the station wagon back in the day. Um, it was a beautiful, no, that's not, it was ugly, it was blue. And uh, me and my one brother, we would sit in the very back, no seatbelts on, come on, those were the days. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Just pillows stacked up, blanket thrown over you. We didn't have, you know, Game Boys and iPads. We couldn't watch movies. We would just look out the back window and make up games and dream. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, no iPad, you know? Let's be honest. The iPad has made road trips with kids much easier today, hasn't it? Okay, no parents in here. All right. Um, uh, and uh, I remember sitting in these, in these road trips, and one of the games that we would play, we'd make up games. You all know the ABC game, right? Look at a sign, find an AB, and that gets old after about 10 minutes, all right? Um, but one of the games that, and I don't know who made it up, and maybe it's a real game, but we would play this game called Guess Who? Guess Who? And typically what we'd do is we would think of somebody all of us in the car knew, and it could be a family member, it could be an aunt, uncle, grandma, grandpa, really good family friend, whatever, and we'd say, okay, I'm thinking of somebody. And we'd think of that person, and everybody would go around and ask a yes or no question. You couldn't just ask, hey, you know, you'd have to say, do they have brown hair? No. Okay. Do they have blue eyes? Yes. Whatever it is. And it could only be yes or no questions, and the person could only answer yes or no. And, man, this, this was so much fun when I was growing up. And, but depending on how long the road trip, the game got really, really chippy really quick. Okay. <laughs> Now, I don't know about your family, but, but there's some competition in my family, all right? You can't grow up with three older brothers and not have a competitive vibe about you, all right? I know some of you have played games with me before and been on the basketball court with me and, and whatnot, and you're like, what's wrong with Pastor? Let me tell you what's wrong with me. I had three older brothers. Come on, somebody. Do you feel my pain? And so we would get competitive really quick, and what started out as this fun game to discover who somebody was became a competitive thing, became vibey, became aggravating, became like we were arguing with one another, and pretty soon we forgot what we were even doing. Some of you played that game, okay? I want you to know something. That for some of us in this spiritual journey, the longer this spiritual journey drags out, your relationship or your pursuit of a relationship or your pursuit of wanting to find out about somebody oftentimes becomes like that game. Because what started out as this incredible thing where, where someone told you about this person, Jesus Christ, and, and he died on the cross for you. And, and he did that to save you from your sins. And he, and he did that so that you could have eternal life through him. So that even when you die, you don't die. You go to live an eternal life. And this sounded so appealing and so awesome. And you were excited to jump in and excited to be a part and be excited to be called a Christian. But all of a sudden now the journey has progressed. And all of a sudden now you find this, this relationship with Jesus or this non-relationship with Jesus. You find this pursuit of a person now to be more about yourself and more about winning than you do about him. And because of that, come on, this thing called spirituality gets a little chippy, doesn't it? You tend to find yourself aggravated at times. You tend to find yourself not pursuing a person, not pursuing a relationship, but pursuing success. Pursuing, well, if I do this, how does this help me? Or pursuing God in such a way that you do it because maybe there's some benefits at the end of it. 
You ever found yourself praying this way before? But God, I went to church. What's happening right now? But God, I've been reading my Bible. I've been doing my devotions. I even served this morning on the setup and pack-up crew. I mean, God, didn't you hear the way I led worship today? It was awesome. All of a sudden, we find ourselves doing these things not to pursue a relationship. Somebody with me this morning. I fear that sometimes in our spiritual journey, we begin to lose the focus of what it was all about to start with. Just like us on that road trip, it was about discovering who that person was that that person had in mind. And I want you to know something today, that this whole spiritual journey, this thing called Christianity, was always about discovering who he is. It was always about discovering a a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so that you could have more money. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so that you could get ahead in your job. Jesus Christ did not die on the cross so, so that you could have a really good marriage. It's getting quiet in here. Jesus Christ died on the cross so that you could have an eternal relationship with him, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's all about Jesus, always has been about Jesus, and always will be about Jesus. But sometimes we get off. As we get off, and things get a little awkward. And I love what John does. See, John is different than the other gospels. John, uh, he, he jumps right in, and he begins to declare right off the bat, doesn't give a whole lot of history, doesn't, doesn't go back and say, hey, let's jump back here. There was all these people, and then Jesus was born. And the, No, he just jumps right in, and he begins to declare, hey, in the very beginning, Jesus was there. And because he was there, he could do what he did, which was die on the cross for you. And because he died on the cross for you, guess what? You get to have a really, really abundant life. You get to have life and, and, and life everlasting. He just jumps right in. Why does he jump right in? I believe he jumps right in because John discovered something very early on that the rest of the disciples and the apostles were still trying to figure out, I believe, even until their death. And that is this, that the sooner we answer the question, who is he, the sooner we realize how much he loves us. The sooner we can answer this question, who is he really, is the sooner we can realize how much he loves us. See, this question, who is the one, is something that all of us have to answer. And listen to me, I'm not just talking to those that maybe walked into the door for the first time and have never been to church and have no relationship with Jesus. A lot of times, the ones that really need to answer that question are the ones that have been calling themselves Christians for years. We need to go back and say, wait a second, who is he? Who is he really? Jesus asked this question of his disciples. He asked this question in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 20. And here's what he did. He looked at them as they were on a journey. The Bible says when they came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah, still others Jeremiah and one of the prophets. And then he flips it on them. He says, but you, he asked them, who do you say that I am? Because that's the real question. You could be hanging out Monday with your coworkers. You could be hanging out, going out to dinner somewhere. 
And you can be hanging out with people. People ask, oh, well, my pastor said that Jesus is this person. No, no, no. You've got to be able to answer that question for yourself. He looks at his disciples. That's great that that's what they say about me, but who, who do you? You need to know for yourself. Hmm. Simon Peter answered, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus responded, Simon, son of Judah, you are blessed because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, amen. You have to know who he is in order for him to build through you. And the force of Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, we must be able to answer this question for ourselves. Who is he? Who is he? Who is he? Who is he? See, I, I, a lot of people have no problems saying that Jesus existed. Oh, man, yeah, Jesus existed. I mean, historians recorded it. I see in the Bible, okay, you know, there's another, another historical point of view. And they will accept that Jesus, a man, walked the earth in Israel many years ago, and they'll accept that, and this is what they'll say. He was a good moral teacher. You ever heard that one before? Yeah, well, yeah, Jesus, yeah, totally. He's a good moral teacher. He's a good moral guy. Maybe some of you have even said that before. He's a good moral teacher. He's a good moral guy. Most people won't refute that. But the reality is this is not remotely logical. I love what C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, I'm trying here to, pre uh, to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him, about Jesus. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut, up, uh, shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with any patronizing nonsense about him being a great human teacher. He has not left that option open to us. He did not intend to. Not a great moral teacher. Now he's the son of the living God. He is God incarnate in the flesh. And John, when he begins to make these claims and says, listen to me now, the man Jesus that's walking the earth, he was the Word, capital W, and the Word was with God, and the Word is God, and the Word saw what was happening down here, and the Word became flesh, Jesus Christ, God incarnate in the flesh, and he came down here as a man, but yet still fully God, so that he could live a sinless, perfect life, and so that he could pay the penalty of our sins as he died on the cross of Calvary. This is who Jesus is. And we must be able to answer this question for ourselves. So there really are only three logical conclusions to come to when you ask, answer the question, who, who is he? There's only three logical answers. The first one is simply this. He was a really good con artist. Right? I mean, he walked the earth he got people to buy into the fact that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. He fooled people, and they said, yes. That's a really good con. 
The problem I have with that is this, is you can pull the wool over a lot of people, but when it comes to your family, are you with me? You can trick a lot of people. There's some people I can't trick, and that's my family. I try to play pranks on this woman. It is really difficult. She goes, you're a horrible liar, which is probably a comment, right? I mean, but she's a horrible liar. And I was like, well, so-and-so believed it. Well, so-and-so doesn't know you like I do. We family. I can't pull the wool over on my mom's eyes. She knows me. She brought me into this earth, right? She knows me. You know what? There's a guy named James who wrote one of the books of the New Testament. Happens to be the brother of Jesus, okay? Now listen to me. I can pull the wool over on a lot of people, but not my brothers. I know when my brothers were lying. They know when I was lying. I still remember one time my brother, and I have three older brothers, as I mentioned. One of them's only two and a half years older than me, and this, this one didn't like school for a season, and, and so he's always trying to get out of school. And I knew when he was faking it. I knew when he was faking it. Y'all, y'all know when someone's faking sick, right? He was faking sick, and I got super mad one day, and I told my mom and dad, I was like, Mom and Dad, he's faking. They're like, well, you don't know that. And I was like, yes, I do. And my brother, I know. He ain't that good of a con artist. Well, can't you hear him? He's throwing up in there. And you can hear him going, bleh. And then you hear the, you know, the noise into the toilet. And I was like, no, he is faking. And he forgot to lock the door. And so as soon as he went, bleh, I opened the door real quick, and there he was with a cup of water pouring it into the toilet. Bleh. True story. I was like, see, I told you. Man, you can pull the wool over a lot of people, but your own family? Are you with me? James writes this whole entire book and talks about, man, and he's, he's, he's in it. He's a New Testament preacher. This couldn't be a con. This couldn't be a con. How would you get your own family to buy into that? And the second logical conclusion is he was absolutely insane. That Jesus was insane. It's right. It's, I mean, it's a good conclusion. We can come to that conclusion. That a guy showed up over 2,000 years ago, long flowing blonde hair, blue eyes with a lamb around his neck, came onto the scene. I am Jesus, the Son of God. Okay? He could have been a lunatic, could have been totally insane, right? But how do you get 11 dudes to die for an insane person? How do you get 11 guys that swear by it? No, no, no. We've seen the miracles. We've watched them with our own eyes. Some of us even wrote books about it. Are you with me? We recorded it. This really happened. He really was in that grave. He really isn't now. We watched him ascend to heaven, okay? He wasn't crazy. To the point where 11 of them died martyrs' deaths. Who would do that for an insane? At some point, as they're about ready to, to kill me, I'm like, okay, stop. We're just kidding. (laughs) Right? I'm not dying for a crazy person. But, I mean, let's put it in context for a minute. I mean, how many of you, if a dude showed up today in your cul-de-sac, come on, somebody, walking around in a robe with a lamb around his neck, your first thing you're doing is you're dialing 911, right? First of all, where'd the lamb come from in San Diego, Right? (laughs) Why is the dude barefoot? Why is he wearing a robe? That's beautiful hair, though, right? I mean, like, <laughs> you imagine? And then it gets really creepy when he sits down after school and starts calling all the kids over. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? Hey, don't forget them to come to me. Let all the children come. CPS, are you with me? Right? 
See, we read it, we're like, oh, yeah, let all the children come. Listen to me, parents. Come on now. Some dude showed up in your cul-de-sac calling all the kids over. You're like, uh-uh, uh-uh. Did you get out of that van over there with no windows? Come on, somebody. Right? So it could be a logical conclusion that he's insane. But why would 11 people die for an insane person? And so really the most logical conclusion is really he is who he claims to be. And this is what John believed. John believed he really is who he said he was. That's why he declares it in John 1.1 and then in 1.14. He was, he was he's God incarnate. He was with God in the beginning. And then he became flesh and dwelt amongst us. He writes this in John 8.58. Jesus said to them, I assure you before Abraham was, I am. And guess what they did in that passage? They all tried to kill him. I was, I, was, I was around way back when. John 10, 33, who is he? So we aren't stoning you for good works, the Jews answered, but for blasphemy because you being a man make yourself God. Jesus never denied that he was God. He accepted every claim about him that he was God because he really is God. And this is the only logical conclusion that if, if he said this is who he is, he can't be a lunatic. People wouldn't die for that. He couldn't be a con artist. You can't pull that one over on your family. Listen to him. He's not just a good friend. He's not just your homeboy. He's not just a wish. He's not just a pie in the sky. He's not just a good idea. He's not just a moral teacher. No, Jesus is the Savior of the world. The one who takes away, according to John 1.29, the one who takes away the sins of the world. And the reason John is driving this point home, because he understands this one thing that many of the others didn't understand. The sooner you realize who he really is, the sooner you begin to understand the love that he has for you. John wrote this in John 13, 23. He wrote this about himself. He says, hey, I'm the one, the disciple whom Jesus loves. And the reason he understood the love of God is because he understood who Jesus is. When you know him, you know you're loved by him. There's no question. There's no room for doubt. My question to you today would simply be this, is do you know him today? Do you know him today? Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.